Wednesday is very important to us as a church. Uh, I, I believe, you know, we not only have an election coming up, but if you're just not watching what's going on in the world, we need to pray. I'll mention it in the uh, message too this morning. I, I believe the only hope for this country is the church of Jesus Christ in prayer. And so I think the greatest thing that we can do other than we just worshiped him, and that's awesome, that really sets our hearts free, is to come out and pray. And, and we really need to be praying for our country we need to be praying for our church that will come alive. Every day I pray, Lord, just give us a revival. You know what a revival is? A revival is when we come back to Christ, when we come back to the purity of Christ and we realize that life is found in him. So I just want to encourage you to come out this Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30. You will be blessed. Well, after Jake retired, he became somewhat of an unproductive intrusion into his wife's daily routine. That's actually not unusual. When a guy retires, the wife finds out, boy, I wish he was working again. You know, that's kind of how it works. Jake had worked for 40 years, and now he was essentially nothing more than a couch potato. One day during a commercial break, which was talking about drunk drivers, Jake said to his wife, just so you know, I don't ever want to become dependent on a machine and live in a vegetative state. If that ever happens, just pull the plug. Jake's wife walked across the living room and said, no problem, and then she pulled the television plug. <laughs> now, we could talk this morning about unplugging our television sets, and that wouldn't be a bad message to talk and speak about, but we're not going to do that. We're going to continue our study in the book of Ephesians. We're going to continue talking about transformation, and so I've entitled the message this morning, A Transformed Mind. Lord, I just thank you for everyone here. We thank you for the rain, Lord. We certainly need that. And now may it rain in here. May it rain you, Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. May you just rain. May you give us hearts that would receive what might be difficult to hear, but yet free. May you give us ears to hear. And I ask that you would fill me, as always, with the Holy Spirit, because we don't need a word of man. We need your words, which bring life and freedom. And that's what I'm crying out for this morning. There will be life and freedom. Chains will continue to be broken in the minds of people, and people will be set free. So I'm just thanking you for what you're going to continue doing now, Lord, in our midst. And I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Goal of life is a transformed mind. What do you think would happen if you had a mind like Jesus Christ, if you thought the thoughts of Jesus Christ? I could tell you one thing that would happen. Your behavior would change, and my behavior would change. You see, what I'm thinking, what you are thinking, will determine what you do, what I do. There's nothing more important, really, than your mind my mind, that's the battleground. That's the great warfare. So the key, if you want to live victoriously, if you really want to be an overcomer, then your, chain, your thinking needs to change. My thinking needs to change. We just saw Romans 12, 1 and 2. Skip, can you put those verses up? And so, dear brothers and sisters, we kind of ended last week this way. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy 
the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There's no more critical verses, in my opinion, in the Bible than these two verses when it comes to changing the way we behave. If we want to change our behaviors, our addictive behaviors, our destructive behavior, if we want our relationships to prove, improve, then our thinking needs to change. And you'll notice, though, that our thinking cannot change. It's really verse 2. Verse 2 says God will change Frank Ray's thinking. God will change your thinking. But verse 1 is necessary first. See, the two are inextricably linked. So in order for my thinking to change and God to change your thinking, I need to surrender my life. You can just write, I said over Romans 12, 1, you can write surrender. Do you just wake up in the morning, have you ever just said, you know, God, no more my way. I want what you want, not what I want. And I mean, not just once, not just twice, but that has to be the thing we say every single morning. Not what I want, Lord, but what you want. You see, the key to overcoming addictions, and I know a lot of people have them, the key to overcoming anger, negative thoughts, fear, anxiety, huh? Anxiety. Pretty destructive when you're always just living in anxiety and fear. The key maybe to overcoming lust, destroying men, destroying relationships. The key to overcoming these things is I've got to change my thinking. You have got to change your thinking. It's the only way that it's going to happen is if our thinking changes. But the problem is, I said last week, you can't change your thinking. I can't change my thinking on my own. We don't have the power to do it. And you say, well, why can't I do it? Why can't I change my thinking? I'm an American. I'm an individual. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can do this. And no, you can't. In fact, we saw last week why. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Skip, can you put that back up? Just to refresh our memory. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. You see, the problem is every single one of us has strongholds in our minds. You remember what a stronghold is? A stronghold, literally the Greek, is a fortress. You have fortresses in your mind that create a hopelessness. And it causes us to accept its unchangeable behaviors, thought patterns, situations that we know are contrary to the will of God. Doesn't that just blow your mind. You know what you're doing is wrong. I keep doing it. I keep doing it. I repent. I keep doing it. I repent. I keep doing it. I repent. I can't stop. It's because of the stronghold in your mind or strongholds. No human effort can break a stronghold. You might temporarily. I know people that go conference after conference Power of positive thinking, motivational speakers. I mean, we, we, have, we, we, we are so full of information. You know, knowledge equals power, right? Knowledge equals power. Ding, thanks for playing. Not, not in this realm, it doesn't. You can have all the information you want, and it's not going to create change. See, it's just not going to happen. You need real power to change. The truth is, I'm going to tell you only God can change your thinking. 
Only God can change your thinking and, and my thinking. Let's just talk about Jesus for a moment. How many here know that Jesus lived a perfect life? Jesus lived, just raise your hand. That's a, that's a doctrinal statement. I hope you realize that Jesus lived, if he didn't live a perfect life, then he, when he died on the cross, he wasted his time. He didn't do anything. Jesus lived a perfect life. The question is, why did he live a perfect life? Anybody know? Okay, sounds like we got tongues going on. Anybody just want to say it louder? We, have need, we need interpretation. He did the will of the Father. He did do the will of the Father. See, his thinking was perfect. I want you to think about it. Jesus led a perfect life because his thinking was perfect. Do you know why his thinking was perfect? <laughs> wow, that, that's good. That, that's 101 logic. I like that. But the reason he, he thought perfectly is he was grounded in truth. He was grounded in truth. Do you know what the power of the stronghold is? You've got strongholds in your mind. The lie. See, that's exactly right. The lie is the power of the stronghold. And we're all full of lies, so that's why we've got strongholds. Do you know who the father of lies is? Satan. See, Satan really is real. And see, he loves it when you don't think he's real. Because see, then he can plant all kinds of lies and half-truths into your mind. In fact, Jesus said this about Satan in, in, in John eight forty four. Skip, can you put that up? He said, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and he is the father of of lies. So Satan moves in lies and Jesus moves in truth. Now I really want you to think about this. In, in Matthew chapter 4, you kind of see the great Super Bowl. You know the great Super Bowl? That's the temptation scene. There you have Jesus facing off with Satan. So, you know, really forget the Super Bowl. Skip, can you put the picture up? You know, forget the Avengers. You know, you got the superheroes clashing. This is, this is much bigger than that. You have Jesus, the most powerful being in the universe, and he equals truth, and he's squaring off with the second most powerful being in the universe, Satan, who equals lies. Now, who wins? Why does Jesus win? Because he moves in truth. See, truth always trumps lies. Truth will always trump the lie. Now, let me say this. You are no match for Satan alone. He's really real. And just as he went after Jesus, trust me, he will go after you. And you and I are no match for Satan alone. Let's just talk about Peter for a moment. The apostle Peter. He's one of the apostles. So this, this would be a pretty strong guy. This would be a, a pretty spiritual guy, right? And the scene is this. It's, it's, it's the final night of Jesus on planet Earth. He's got his 12 disciples and he says to them, Guys, I just want you to know I'm going to die. I am going to die. And Peter says, I love Peter. He just jumps out there. He just says, you know what, Lord? I don't know what these other guys are going to do. They might all be cowards, but I want you to know I am ready to die with you. I'm there with you. And Jesus says, really, Peter? Really? Do you think you're really going to be able to stand with me? And Jesus says these chilling words to Peter in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. Skip, can you put them up? Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, each of you, like wheat. Do you know what it means for Satan to sift you? The Greek word sift means test. 
Satan seeks to test you and you and you and you and me. Satan seeks to test us. And you know, by the time that Satan gets done with Peter, he not only denies Jesus once, he not only denies Jesus twice, he denies knowing Jesus three times. You see, Peter alone was no match for Satan. In fact, by the time Satan got done with Peter's mind, he was so confused. He was so full of fear. I mean, he was just like a piece of jello. Just, it's just full of fear. And he became a coward. He became a coward. I'm going to tell you again, you and I are no match for Satan. Now, in fairness to Peter, Peter was, did not have the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? See, that's why we celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost is the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church. You have something that Peter, if you are a believer, you have something that Peter doesn't have. You actually have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Peter did not have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I told you two weeks ago, the great game changer is the Holy Spirit. The great game changer is the Holy Spirit. And I have a question, and I'm speaking now to believers. If you are a believer, then you have the Holy Spirit. You have, in fact, Romans chapter 8 says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you are not truly a believer. You're not truly a born-again believer. That's critical, by the way. So the question for the believer is not, do I have the Holy Spirit? The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of me? Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? That's the key to living victoriously. That's the key, by the way, to having your mind changed. So let me just put, begin to put this together for you. It all starts out with Romans 12.1. Skip, put it up now. Romans 12.1 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the only way you can worship him. You know, really, you know, we, we, we call what we just did worship, you know, singing. But the reality is, you know, God's not impressed unless your life is surrendered to him. See, that's worship. Either your life is a worship service or it is not a worship service. Either my life is a worship service because I've surrendered to him or it's not. So what we're starting out with here, what is absolutely critical is that I am completely surrendered to him. I am completely surrendered. Are you? I like what, in fact, is said here by Paul. He says, because, in view, you know, he says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. The reason why you surrender, the reason why I completely surrender to him is because of what Jesus has done for me, what he has done for you. Do you recognize what Jesus has done for you? Skip, put up the picture. You see, we, we, we're familiar with Jesus' forgiveness of our sins. And that's great. I mean, it's great. You know, you can come to Jesus. You, if you don't know Jesus, you can come to Jesus right now. And it's an incredible feeling when you come to him and you repent. He forgives you of all your sins. I mean, a huge weight of guilt is taken off. But Jesus does so much more than that. Jesus gives you purpose. You know, I, I've told you before, you know what a great game changer is? Just go to somebody. Go to your neighbor. Go to a family member. Go, go to a co-worker and ask him, what is your purpose? I don't know. I, I, I'm just living today. 
But see, not as a believer. As a believer, Jesus gives us a purpose. Do you know what your purpose is? To know him. Do you know? That's the great goal of life, to know him. And see, I can get to know him not only just through the word of God, I can get to know him in every circumstance that I'm facing. So often we try to get out of our circumstances. Don't do that. You just become a wimp. You don't try to get out of your circumstances. You seek to overcome your circumstances, then you become stronger. And as you stay in those circumstances and you see Jesus show up, your faith gets stronger. You get to know him more. So the whole goal of life is to know him. And by knowing him, guess what's going to happen? You'll become like him. You'll become like him. And as you become like him, then you begin to have great relationships Because you impact people positively. You're moving in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. I mean, it's awesome when that really begins to happen in your life. And you know what else? When Jesus died on that cross, there's power in that cross. Believe it or not, not just to forgive you of your sin, but deliver you from the power of sin. You don't have to stay in your addiction. You don't have to continue in your bad behavior. You don't have to continue in your negative. There's really power to say no. We just have a defeated mind, unfortunately, so often. Our mind is defeated, and we just don't believe that we have the ability to do that. And that is really sad that we just don't understand that. Now, Paul says, if we understand this, he says, if I understand what Jesus did on the cross, the logical thing for me to do is just to raise my hand and say, Jesus, uncle, I just surrender my life completely to you. In fact, have you ever read the beginning of the book of Romans? Skip, put it up. It says this. This letter is from Paul. Want to say it again? A slave of Jesus. Notice, Notice he didn't say friend of Jesus. He didn't say buddy of Jesus. He didn't say Jesus is my homeboy. He said, I am a slave of Jesus. You know what a slave is? No, seriously. What is a slave? A slave means that you no longer own yourself. You no longer have any rights. And in fact, Jesus isn't here to do your bidding. In fact, the truth of the matter here is, is I just say in the morning, Jesus, here's Frank Ray. I'm here reporting for duty. I'm here reporting for you. So in other words, you know, when you really understand what Jesus did for you, you can only surrender to him and say, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. Do with me as you will. And this is critical because, see, this is where so many people are not. So many people have not done this. It stops everything. Until you honestly, I'm going to tell you, and you don't do it just once, you do it daily, Luke 9, 23. If you want to know me, Jesus says, then you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. I have to every day, Lord, not mine, not my dreams, not my goals. I'm here, I'm reporting to you, what do you want me to do today? Until you get to that point. Then see Ephesians 5.18. Can't exceed. After Romans 12.1, you know what occurs? You unleash Romans, or, or Ephesians 5.18. Skip, put it up. Remember, do not be drunk with wine. Why? It will destroy your life. Wine is the equivalent of flesh. Wine is the equivalent of flesh. So in other words, do not be drunk. Do not live in your flesh. Do not allow it to control you. 
That's the only thing the world can do, by the way. Do you wonder why the world moves in lust and is always interested in drinking and parties, watching the television shows that they do? They can only move in envy. They can only move in greed. They've got to have more and more and more to feel good about themselves and to feel secure. They can only move in anger. They can only move in disappointment. They can only move in revenge. That's, that's what the world is. Now, the believer can either be being controlled by the old nature, the old man, or he said, you can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. See, if I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit, then I'm moving in love, then I'm moving in joy, then I'm moving in peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Now, isn't that awesome? I mean, you've got, that's your choice. So, but it all starts with me surrendering. You cannot have the Holy Spirit released in you. You cannot experience the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome your old nature unless you're first surrendered. You can't be full of you and full of the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's true, if I've done Romans 12, 1, truly done it, Ephesians 5, 18 is true, the Holy Spirit begins to control me and I'm moving in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, then Romans 12, 2 happens. Put it up, Skip. Now watch this, and then I'm going to make this practical. Then it says, I won't be copying the behaviors and customs of this world. In other words, I won't be like the world, but I'll be change, transform. My thinking is going to change. See, if I'm moving in love, what do you think is going to happen if you hurt me? See, I'm going to be able to forgive you. See, that's part of love. See, if I'm moving in joy, what's going to be true? Am I going to have negative thoughts if I'm moving in joy? No, I'm going to have a thankful heart. Do you see how this works? Your thinking literally begins to change. That's why I said it's supernatural. Only God can, only the Holy Spirit can change your thinking. I want you to see this. So it's so important. Romans 12, 1, Ephesians 5, 18, Romans 12, 2. This is the essence of the Christian life. And I'm setting you up for the rest of Ephesians chapter 5. Because it's all about relationships. And the only way you're going to be able to do Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter, just read it, try it is if your mind is transformed. It, it will not work. Your relationships will not change. Now, let me just give you an example of non-redeemed thinking, can I? I just want to give you an a, 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 a non-transformed thinking. Skip, can you put up this picture? Now, I, I, I want to say up front, no, no, I want to say up front, uh, you know, I, I'm sure I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I am not a political guy. I am not making a political statement here. I just want you to know for the record that... Salvation does not run through Washington, D.C. Salvation does not, and I, I, I am dead serious, the problems do not lie really in Washington, D.C. with this country. The problems lie here in Jesus' church. No, we're, we're not transforming. We're not changing. And what this country needs, and I'm telling you, is a revival. It's the only thing that's going to save this country is a revival. And, and we're aiming for nothing short of a revival here. Now, the reason why I chose Donald is because, and, and you can actually get this on YouTube, on September 25th, 2012, he spoke at Liberty University. 35 minutes. Now, Liberty University, if you don't know, is, is, is probably the largest college, Christian college in the world. Donald Trump, by the way, was not running for office at the time. It's important that you understand that. So Donald Trump is speaking at Liberty University, okay? And he says in his speech, you, can li- you really ought to listen to it. He says, I'm a Christian. And then he said, 
Let me, let me rephrase that. He goes, I'm a real Christian. Now, I don't know what that means versus a false Christian. I don't know what he was saying, but he was making the point that he's a real Christian. And then he said in his talk, he said this, and I love this. He said, to be a winner. Now, remember, he's talking to these students. Okay, they're impressionable. To be a winner, you have to think like a winner. Now, I agree with Donald. I think to be a winner, you've got to think like a winner. Here's the question, though. What is winning thinking? What is really winning thinking? And at the end of his talk, at the end of his speech, he gives two pieces of advice as to what winning thinking is, all right? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote him here. He goes, number one, now I don't want to be crude here. He said, he said, I promised I wouldn't use bad language. He said, and then he goes like this. He goes, I did speak to the teamsters a couple weeks ago. And he goes, I really use foul language. And, and the students began clapping. I'm going, what, what in the world? You know, he goes, but I'm not going to use bad language here. Won't use bad language here. And then he says this. He goes, my first piece of advice is this. Get even. If someone hurts you, get even. Don't let people take advantage of you. People will see that and say, I'm going to let so-and-so alone because they are a tough customer. That's a direct quote from Donald Trump. And you know what really bothered me? Is so much of the student body clapped. No, no. A lot of the student body actually clapped at that when he said this. Now, let me just give you what Jesus said, because actually Jesus did comment on this. So, Skip, can you put up what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 38? You have heard the law that says that the punishment must be matched by the injury, an eye for an eye. By the way, and a tooth for a tooth, that's, that's Donald's favorite scripture. Eye for an eye, this is true, I checked it out, tooth for a tooth. He misunderstands, this is not about retribution. This was actually an act of grace on God's part. Thousands of years ago, if I took out JJ's eye, guess what he's going to do? He's going to take out two eyeballs. See, God was saying back two, three thousand years ago, the punishment must match the crime. It was actually an act of grace. Then Jesus goes on to say this. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Well, that's interesting. Kind of different from Donald. Donald said, if someone hurts you, you hit back. You hit back and show them that you're tough. That's a winner. That's a winner. Jesus says, you know what? If someone hits you on the right cheek, give them the left. If someone hurts you, pray for them. Do good to them. Do good to them. Pray for them. Which one's right? Which one's right? See, now, it, it all depends on what kingdom you're living in. See, Donald Trump believes that this kingdom of this world really matters. No. It's a zero-sum game for Donald. If you win, I lose. He thinks, no, you have to understand where Donald Trump's coming from. He thinks this world matters. He thinks titles, degrees, buildings, position. He thinks all that. He actually thinks the Super Bowl matters. He thinks being president of the United States matters and who's in power. 
what Donald doesn't understand is when Jesus comes back, here's what the world's going to look at like. Skip, can you put it up? It's going to be completely burned. Completely burned. Everything is going to be turned to ashes. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. See, that's why Jesus isn't worried about this world. You know what Jesus is worried about? Think about when he was here 2,000 years ago. Was he worried about anything in this world? What was he worried about? People. People. People mattered. Black people mattered. Black lives do matter. But see, black are wrong in one account. It's not just black lives. Yellow lives matter too. So do brown lives. So do red lives. So do white lives. But you know why? Because they're all made in the image of God. Yeah, it might be tarnished, but every single person here and out there is made in the image of God. And Jesus said, you better treat them right. You better treat them right because they carry my image. It might be tarnished. And Jesus says, if you want your life, I'll tell you what matters to me. You can have all of it because it's going to burn. He says, what matters to me is what do you do with me? When you die and you stand before Jesus, the first question we ask is, what did you do with me? What did you do with Jesus? Did you really get it? And did you end up surrendering? Number one. Number two, how did you use your time? How did you use your money? How did you use your resources? Professor Howard Hendricks I had at Dallas said, gentlemen, you've got two choices when it comes to your time, when it comes to your resources, when it comes to your intelligence, when it comes to anything that you have. It's either a tool to advance the kingdom of God and to know Jesus, or it's an idol. Just tell me, gentlemen, which one is it for? Which one? Which one? Now, see, if you understand that, why would I want to get even with someone? See, if I'm coming from that viewpoint, why would I want to get even with you? Because the goal is, is to redeem you, right? Do you realize we're on the Titanic? <laughs> we are on the Titanic, and Donald Trump and others are busy rearranging the deck chairs for Pete's sakes. No, it's crazy. It is absolutely nuts. That's unredeemed thinking, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I feel bad about Donald. Hey, you know, if he was just coming from the world, I get it. I understand it. But if you're coming from Jesus' viewpoint, that doesn't make any sense at all. You know, and once you get Jesus' point, why would I be envious of you? Why would I be envious of what you have? Why would I be greedy? Why would I want more and more? I'm not, I'm not preaching poorness now. But, you know, if you've, got clo- if you've got clothes on your back, if you've got a roof over your head, if you've got a, a, a refrigerator that's got food, if you, you know, if you've got a little money in the bank, you can pay your bill. What else do you want? You got it. You're rich. Materially, but are you rich spiritually? Do you get it? It's people, relationships. See, Jesus got it. Donald doesn't get it. Let me just quickly, we're running out of time. Let me just give you a second piece of advice. This is honest. This, this is near the end of the speech. We're, we're running out of time here. You know what a second piece of advice was? I love, I, I, you can't write this stuff. Get a prenup. That's what he said. This is at Liberty University. Get a prenup. 
But see, it makes perfect sense. Do you realize that Donald Trump's been divorced three times? That took, no, that's taken a huge chunk out of the old empire, don't you think? No, see, he, 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 that's why he would say that. That's unredeemed thinking. Now let me just give you redeemed thinking. You know, Skip, just, just put up. When, when I was visiting my mom, helping out my mom, I saw a guy in a restaurant. You know what that says? My identity is found in Christ. My, oh, I was, wow. And of course, Susan let me, makes a beeline for the guy, you know. <laughs> it's going to vet him out. But no, it's so powerful because he, he's like a dog. Have you ever seen a dog? Dogs are great. <laughs> good boy, good boy. <laughs> and, 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 and that's all they care about. They only care about what their master says. But see, unredeemed people, where, where do most people get their identity from? See, they get a, see and what's that going to make you be? A people pleaser, right? See, most of us are people pleasers because, see, our identity really isn't in Christ. See, we don't have, see, our mind hasn't changed. Our thinking hasn't changed. We're still thinking, see, the person next to you really matters what they think. So then you're going to, you know, then, then you're going to, you know, be up and down. Oh, they liked me. Oh, they didn't like me. Oh, they liked me. Oh, they didn't like me. And you're going to have low self-esteem and you're going to have low self-worth. And then you're going to have all kinds of addictions to make yourself feel better because you feel so cr- crummy about yourself. And you're all messed up. And that's the tragedy of an unredeemed. See, but you know what? If, you're, if, if Romans 12, 1 is not true in your life, then Ephesians 5, 18 is not true, and then Romans 12, 2 isn't true in your life. And you can't change your thinking. So you can't really see that, hey, my identity really is. See, it's, it's so freeing when your identity really is in Jesus. Then you're not prisoners to people around you. So what is it? That's the challenge. Which is it for you? Do you have a redeemed mind or an unredeemed mind? See, if your, your mind is still re- unredeemed, then you're just going to be full of all kinds of strongholds. Your thinking's going to be bad. You're, 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 you're going to be bitter. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be a little bit paranoid. So, so which is it? We're going to continue this. So I'm going to challenge you to now read Ephesians 5 after 5.18 because you're going to see about relationships. And I said this is really about relationships. And you're going to see why your relationships aren't where they need to be because Paul's going to discuss them now in Ephesians chapter 5. But remember, when he's talking in Ephesians 5, he's talking from a redeemed mind. He's talking from a redeemed mind. So... As we're seeing this song, have you really done Romans 12 when it all starts, or have you really done it? If you haven't, this is the time to do it. This is the time. You've seen what Jesus has done for you. This is the time to fully and completely and totally surrender. Lord, you came so we would be set free. You said if the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. You just didn't want to forgive us of our sins. You wanted to deliver us from the power of sin. You wanted us to really be able to live. And and I know there's those battling right now. They're hearing lies and saying, well, I can't completely surrender my life. I don't know if he's trustworthy. And my response would be, how are you doing right now running your life? 
How are you doing? That'd be the question you're asking us all. So I just ask Holy Spirit, have your way now as this last song is sung. That hearts would really be able to surrender, really surrender complete control and say, Lord, take control. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Control me. Change my thinking so that I can live. I'm praying this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.